So we're in our uh, series called Relationships. There's an app for that. And basically the idea behind the series is that uh, we're, we're all in relationships. You, you can't get away from them. You know, if you work with somebody, it's a relationship. If you're married to somebody, hopefully it's a relationship. If you've had some kids, relationships. You've got extended family. You've got neighbors, whether you like them or not. There's a chance for a relationship there. We're just surrounded by people all the time. And so because of that, things happen and we need tools that we can use to uh, communicate with, better with each other, to deal with situations better with each other. And so what we've been looking at is the Bible has been giving us a lot of insight into different uh, uh, relationship situations. So we've talked about having a relationship with God. We've talked about dealing with difficult people. We've talked about controlling your tongue. And uh, we've talked about forgiveness. And this morning, what we're going to talk about is friends, friendship. Because the Bible is clear, and God's plan is clear. You are not to go through life alone. I mean, even, even from the very beginning of time, uh, Adam, God creates Adam, and what's the first thing he says? It's not good for a man to be alone. Now, that has to do with a wife for sure, but it has to do with relationships. He, he wasn't designed, we're not designed to go through life alone. We need each other. We need friends. And I don't know if your parents were mine, but uh, when I was growing up, if I got a new friend, my parents went through about 50 questions about this. What are their parents like? Where do they live? How did you meet them? What, you know, I, I felt like I was being interrogated, right? Why, why is that? Because our parents knew something when we were kids that one wrong friendship can determine the course of our life. And some, some of you have seen that firsthand. <clears throat> so I do the same thing with my kids. I want to know about if they're going to go over to a friend's house, one, either Lisa or I, we're walking in that house once we're invited to do so. I mean, we're just not, you know, what are you guys watching, you know, uh, eating popcorn and stuff? We don't do that. Uh, but, but we want to know. I want to know about the parents. I want to know. Are they together? Are they divorced? Why? I, mean, I just want to know everything. I'm not going to judge them. I mean, I don't care, but I want to know everything about that kid because one bad relationship can determine the course of your life. And uh, you, you've seen it before. I mean, how many kids have you seen where everything was going great? A really great family. And, 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 and you got three kids, you know, and two are, you know, going great. And all of a sudden, all three of them are going great. And then one begins to turn a little bit. And you're like, man, what's up with that? They're, they're not acting the way they were. They're not, they don't have the same habits they did. They dress different. They listen to different music because they get involved with friends. This is why college is so important to be on your guard because you enter into a new situation and nobody likes rejection. And so the people who accept you are usually the people you begin to hang out with. We have to be very careful. And the Bible, the Bible speaks to that. And the idea isn't just that we, you know, okay, I'll just, I don't need any friends. I'll just do it on my own. The Bible's so clear. We cannot do that. Because when we do that, we're just surrounded by ourselves. And if you're like me, you know how to fool yourself. You'll talk yourself into the stupidest decisions. You'll talk yourself into uh, being in situations that you have no business being into because you don't have somebody next to you that's encouraging you, that's, that's uh, holding you accountable, that's equipping you, that's spurring you on to live a life that's pleasing to God. 
And I'll bet if you go back through your life and you can think about big mistakes you've made or times in your life when you were doing the wrong thing, you will most likely find out that you were either isolated or you were surrounded by the wrong people. You see this in dating a lot of times. Everything's going great. The person's got healthy friendships, all this kind of stuff, and then they meet this guy or this girl, and you notice they begin to, man, what is going on? And that unhealthy dating relationship, you end up isolating from your friends and your family and everything because you're just so into this whole thing because the the idea is, what what if there's nobody else? What if I'm stuck? Here's what I want you to write down in your outline that we have there. The influence of wise people increases your ability to influence others. The influence of wise people in your life increases your ability to influence others. See, we're not just here for ourselves. We're not just here to kind of get, oh man, I just want to get so spiritual and then I enter some nirvana thing. Your job as a, as a Christian or as, as you're trying to kind of maybe you're new here and you're just trying to figure it all out, there's something inside of you that knows your life is to count more than just for just yourself. I mean, even people who are just starting out on this, this discovery of figuring out what does the Bible say, what does God say, they know they want to have an impact. I mean, don't you want to have an impact on those around you? A positive impact, <laughs> Right? And the Bible knows that. When we surround ourselves with wise people, when we surround ourselves with friends who aren't afraid to speak into our lives, when we surround ourselves with uh, people who are um, experts in different areas that can speak into our lives, that increases our ability to then influence others. Because make no mistake, one of you is getting influenced one way or the other. And we're not to be alone. So I want to look at one verse this morning just to kind of start out and to get us going, and then we'll look at a a few others. But this verse is in Proverbs, and it was written by a guy named Solomon who asked for wisdom. This is kind of like he's known for having a bunch of wives too, but that's an entirely different story on sexuality that we'll get to later but uh the he he asked for wisdom what his dad died he was given the throne at a very young age and it, basically it was just like you or i in any other decision in life we said the same thing help and if you don't have any friends or whatever you'll get it for, you'll get it from anywhere he had the throne and he had all these people he was in charge of and he just went before god and he said god give me wisdom to lead this great people of yours And God said, oh, you want to have influence on those and you're calling them my people? You care about the people around you? You share my heart? I'm going to give you wisdom. And he he was the wisest man that's ever walked the face of the earth. And so he wrote a book called Proverbs uh, and he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes where he tried to do everything that this world has to offer and he came to the conclusion that it's vanity. But in Proverbs, there's all sorts of little hidden insights that God has for our lives. Very, very practical. This morning is nothing but practical. Very practical to, if we apply them, our lives change. And in this particular verse, what we're going to try to apply this week is surrounding ourselves with wise people and removing the people in our lives that are unhealthy. Okay? If that sounds unchristian to you or, you know, removing people doesn't... Uh, we'll, we'll, get, we'll touch on that a little bit. Here's what it says. He who walks with wise men, and that is not just men, okay? It's people, okay? 
He who walks with wise people will be wise. But the companion of fools suffers harm. Here's what, here's what I want us to see. This, we're going to break it into two halves. The first is, he who walks with wise men will be wise. In other words, wisdom begets wisdom. Wisdom rubs off. You actually become wise as you hang out with wise people. It's, it's an amazing thing that happens. In my own life, I'm surrounded by wise people. I, I mean, besides my wife, uh, who's awesome, and my staff and the board, I have three wise friends that speak into my life. And they speak into my life in all different areas. So I have one friend, Kevin, uh, who showed up first service uh, that I wasn't expecting, so I kind of was all nervous. He's a pastor. He's been a pastor for uh, 15 to 20 years. And so I go to him with all my pastor-related stuff because he's kind of a specialist. He's like, uh, when, it, when it comes to the church. So I can, I can tell him, I can share my heart with what's going on, and he can tell me, and he has. He said, you know what? You've changed. What, what happened? You used to have this look, outlook. Now you have this outlook. Is there something? Are you be, becoming, you know, disenchanted or whatever with ministry. I mean, you, you have the wrong focus right now. Or he'll say, you know what? Your focus is too much on living spring and not enough on the Lord, which is a bummer to hear. <laughs> you know, I don't like hearing that. But he says, you know, you care, you care more about living spring than you do about what God's calling you to do. And that hurts. But guess what happens? I become wise. And I begin to look, you know what? I hung up on him on that one. But, you know, after I had... <laughs> time to think about it uh you know i you know what he's right i have another friend don don is a is a expert at situational ethics so i can call him on anything and go hey i got this situation going on what do you think and he knows the scriptures and he knows me and so well you know here's what you can try and do i, I do a lot with you know here's what's going on with lisa and i and he speaks into my marriage i got my friend gary he talks to me about finances. He's a big vision guy. He's wise when it comes to, you know, understanding, okay, if you make this decision here, this is what's going to happen down the road. And so I have all these people speaking into my life. And guess what happens? I'm not saying I'm wise. I'm saying even if you're a knucklehead, it'll rub off. That's what the Bible's saying. If you walk with wise people, you will begin to become wise. Now, wise people can see a current situation and say, the decision you make here is going to equal something down here. Foolish people look at the current situation and say, get as much as you can out of it. Or that's not fair. Or this, what, what. They don't have an ability to, to look farther down the road. So the Bible says, hang out with wise people. You're going to get wise just by osmosis, just by default. But then it goes on. It says something really interesting. Because you'd think if you hung out with wise people, you become wise that if you hung out with foolish people, you'd become foolish. But that's not what it says. And this is the key to why we miss it a lot of times in our lives. Because we say, I can handle it. I'm not going to become foolish. I know about all this stuff. I'm just hanging with these people. That's not what it says. Listen to what it says. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. Here's what it's saying. If you spend a lot of time with foolish people, when their lives blow up, and they will, the shrapnel of that is going to injure you. 
The shrapnel of when, when, when their marriage explodes, when their debt gets way beyond, when their drug habit goes crazy, when you're in the car, when they have their accident. The, the companion of fools suffers harm. And for some of us, we're in this situation where we married that fool. No, but I know it sounds like a joke. I didn't mean it that way. Listen, no, listen to me, because there's some of you who might be in a relationship like this. That person that was so hot and you were dating them and everything was getting they're funny and they don't have a care in the world. 15 years later, when they're responsible for a house and kids and a car and they don't have a care in the world, you've suffered harm because you were the companion of that fool. And that's why when you date kids and you date divorced people trying to find another mate, Use wisdom in the dating process because once you get hooked up and you move on and their life explodes and they have to go and now the kids see and two daddies because everything's all jumbled up, you've felt the shrapnel of a fool's life exploding. They say, well, how do you know they're going to explode? Because the Bible tells us that and we already know that. Because we've seen the fools around us and we've watched their life explode. Where you look at it and go, well, duh. Don't you know that's what happens? Don't you know when you make that decision here, this is what happens? And a fool says, yeah, but I'll deal with that when it happens. That's a fool. Here's what the Bible says. It says, wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks judgment. See, a fool will go on and go on and go on and go on, and then his life blows up. That's the rod. That's the discipline. That's the thing that brought him to his knees that said, I can't go on anymore. But when that happens, it doesn't just happen to him. I'll give you an example. When I was a kid, uh, we didn't have a minivan. We had a car. And um, it was an Oldsmobile Omega, uh, light blue. And my dad called it the Blue Knight. I don't know why you'd name your car, but that's what he called it. I'm just going to give you an insight into my dad. So it was the blue night, and so uh, we'd sit there, and I always sat in the middle in the back because I was the smallest. I was the youngest night. My feet, you know, I I had the hump, right? You know, you ever argue over that as a kid? Yeah, so, you know, my feet, you know, my knees are up up into my nose, and and my, my brother and my sister were next to me, and, you know, it's boring. So what do you do? Well, you spice it up a little bit. And you just kind of touch one of them. And then it, ne- it always escalates, right? For those of you who have kids, you can never, it's always, you've done more to them than they did to you. So then he punches you in the arm and then, I didn't punch you, I just poked you. And then you punch him and it keeps going. So my dad would be driving along and, you know, he'd be getting frustrated. And um, uh, unlike the parents of today, which are so patient. Um, and my dad never said, I'll pull this car over because that wasted time. <laughs> and he had some place, he and the blue knight had somewhere to go. And so he just would say, knock it off. Okay? And we're just like, he, he, he touched me, he touched me, yeah, yeah. Then the rod of discipline would come to discipline the fools. And here's what happened. He would take his arm and just start swinging wildly. <laughs> right? connecting with as many as he can. Just like, bah, 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 while he's driving, a car swerving out, the blue knights, all like, bam, bam, bam. Now, I was in the middle. So I got it like coming and going as it just came back, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. See, 
here's the deal. I was surrounded by fools. I was just minding my own business. I was trying to deal with the hump. And they were bothering me, right? No, but that, that's, this is what happens. When somebody's life blows up, when the discipline happens, when the, when the drunk driving accident happens, when the cops show up, when it's all this kind of stuff, once the fool's life explodes, everybody gets damaged. And so what the Bible is saying to us is this. The influence of wise people in our lives gives us increases our ability to influence others. But we have to have those people first. We can't just hang out with foolish people and hope we're going to rub off on them. We can't handle the explosions of those lives without having some type of foundation and some type of place of health that can begin to speak into our lives. I want to ask you a question. Who's speaking into your life right now? Who, who are the people that are influencing you right now? And what are they influencing you to do? Because we can have friends that will watch our back. I mean, we all, we all want that. Until you're doing something you don't want to do. Then you want someone who's not going to watch your back, who's going to say, hey, you're blowing it. I mean, I, I, have, I have a guy I can call at any time and say, here's what's happening. Oh, man, that's lame. Those people are lame. I can't believe they did that to you, right? That's not what I need. The other day I was having an issue, and um, I called my friend, and uh, I was telling him the situation, and he just starts launching into, he's defending me, he's just launching into this other person, like, ah, you know what, this is the problem with the world today, you know, he's going on the whole thing, you know, you poor guy, I said, hey, dude, that's not what I need right now, that's not helping me. And immediately he just switched and said, you're absolutely right. Let's press into God and see how God would have you deal with that situation. Those are the kinds of friends we all need. Who's speaking into your life? Who's speaking into your finances? Who's speaking into your relationships? Who's speaking into your marriage? Here's here's, here's the question. Who knows the status of your soul? Who knows where you really are right now? And will push you farther. See, we are all surrounded by people who might, not, might know where we are, and they're like, they don't care. They're fools. We want people who know the status of our soul. They know where we are and can say, that's not good enough. Come on, let's go. The, the, the influence of wise people increases our ability to then influence others. So just as you're thinking, go into this next section of Scripture, think about who is speaking into your life. Okay, now listen, we're going to go to Ephesians right now. Ephesians chapter 4, because Paul talks about this same thing, and he gives us a solution on how to find good friends. He gives us a solution to kind of what our life should look like, and it's in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to go through three verses, one at a time, and uh, the first one is this, uh, verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Ah, it sounds like a man, really? But see, this is what happens when we hang around foolish people. 
they're, they're, they're deceiving themselves, they're deceiving those around them. It might not even be that they want to hurt you or anything. It's just the natural function of what happens when we're around foolish people. And notice here, it says this, tossed back and forth, blown here and there. It's the idea that there's just no stable ground. So Paul says, man, there's going to come a time when we're no longer going to be infants, we're tossed back here, uh, back and forth by the waves, by these teachings. Well, wh- wh- what's going to happen? What's the solution? How do we solve this problem? Because I want people in my life that are going to speak in terms to me that push me forward. Uh, where I am is not good enough in Christ. So it goes on, says this. Instead, instead of that, instead of being around people that are going to go back and forth, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is christ okay here's the this is what this is the picture paul's painting we don't want to be people who are getting advice from fools really nice fools but just fools we don't want to be people who are, I, I don't know what to do here, and I don't know what to do here, and I don't want to do it here. But instead, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in Christ. We want people who are saying, look, as far, yes, they did this damage to you, and it hurts, but now it's time to move forward because Christ has taken care of that, and you need to grow up in him. Speaking the truth in love. It's hard to speak the truth in love. It's hard to have the truth spoken to you in love. Sometimes I dread conversations with my friends because I know, and, and here's what, I don't know if you've ever done this, but like as we start getting on a certain topic, whatever it is, finances, whatever, and I know where they're, I know where they're going, I already start moving the conversation around so we don't get to any of the hard questions. And all my friends, doggone, they can see through it every time. <laughs> And it hurts, and I don't like it. And they say, dude, you're blowing it here. But the influence of wise people increases my ability to influence others. And so we need to speak the truth. We need to say truthfully, hey, we have to have someone in our lives. I blew it this week. I need you to hold me accountable. I'm not good at this. Now watch, this, is so, this next verse is so cool, guys. It's so neat. So We don't want to be tossed back and forth. We want people around us solid. We want to be able to speak the truth in love to somebody and receive it from somebody so that we can grow up in Christ. Well, what's the solution? I don't know where to find a friend. I don't know. You have a thing, you know, will work for friendship. I don't know. I don't know what you do to get a friend. But God knows what to do. (laughs) Sorry. Just came right off the top of my head there. Uh, God knows. Now listen to this. It's so awesome. It's found in verse, from verse 16. From him, Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Listen. <laughs> as each part does its work. We have the solution right here. We have the solution Turn to the person next to you and say, you're the solution. Uh, That's very good. Yeah. Okay. Never do that again. There we go. All right. Right? Listen, this is why we push small groups so much at this church. And this is why we're going to continue to push small groups and we're going to continue to grow that ministry. It's going to be the backbone of what we do. 
Because what happens in a small group is this verse begins to be fulfilled. Like I, the last small group I was in uh, when we did the One Month to Live series. Okay, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be Mr. Spiritual. I get paid to be spiritual. Okay, it's my job. I have to have the answer for everything. I have to know Christian history and all those kinds. Of, I don't know Jack, okay? I look at the Bible just like you do. So we go to a small group. And I'm in small group with the Snyders and with the Blazaks and all these, all these couples. And listen, every, every, it's, every week, one of them has an insight into something brilliant. One of them has wisdom that's just beyond. Why? Because they're a joint or a ligament or they've been there or they've seen this that I haven't seen. And so I can't, it's impossible for me to grow spiritually without the influence of all you guys. And so we go into small groups, and we're a part of this. When I, I, I led a small group, I led a small group on our, on our street uh, years ago, and it was at Tom, my friend Tom's house. He wasn't my friend before that. I didn't even know him. Okay, we just started a, a small group, and he said, I'd like to have it at my house. And um, Tom since passed away. He had a problem with his heart. But man, I'm telling you, every week, I was the leader of the small group. Every week, Tom had something that was so rich and so deep, we'd just sit on that for a while. And, it, and, and it, was, it was practical and it had to do with the word. Had I not been in a small group, I never would have seen that. And I'm supposed to be Mr. Spiritual. We have to have each other. Now you say, John, I understand. I got a bunch of friends from college. We still keep in touch. They hold me accountable. Now I just come to the church for the music, okay? I just, this is, you know, why I'm here. Here's the problem. The verse goes on and it says, as each part does its work. The other reason we have small groups is so that you can do your work. And this is what I always hear back. Well, I don't have anything to offer. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's not, tell me, I'll take it. I'll let you off the hook in a small group if you don't have anything to offer. If you can show me in Scripture anything that says such a statement. In fact, it's the exact opposite. And what you think you don't have to offer might be the very thing you offer somebody that brings healing to their lives. As long as we're all pushing to grow in Christ. If we're pushing just to validate ourselves, if we're pushing just to be heard, if we're pushing just to kind of have a, a fun time to get together, we're going to miss it. But if we're pushing each other, if we're truly a, a, a body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Now, can you imagine what kind of church we would be if you had a group that you have a bad day at school, a bad day at work, a bad day in your marriage, you know, I'm going to come there and go, oh, so th this week was horrible. And you know you're going to have people praying for you. You know you're going to have people spurring you on to say, come on, you can do it. You're going to have people who've probably gone through the same thing. That's an unstoppable church. You can't, I mean, there's no, because why? Because wise people gives you increases your ability when, you when you're surrounded with wise people. And they don't have to be wise in every area. That's the other lie, is that we think we need a leader or we need someone that just knows everything about everything. It's not true. It's not the way the body's designed. As a matter of fact, in Corinthians, um, 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses this. 
he's talking about the church as a body. And he says, guys, we're all different. It, the eye isn't going to function like a foot. The foot isn't going to function like a hand. The, 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 we're all different. And, and listen, we're all needed. But some of us get isolated. Or we surround ourselves with feet. And we start a little foot click that just says, you know what? They don't even understand ingrown toenails. I know, I hate that. Right? You know, or whatever, you know. It's just like Bunyan Thursdays or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so they, or they get surrounded. They get isolated or they get, or they get turned into cliques. And we miss the beautiful design of how God designed it by hanging around with people who are pushing each other on. So what do we do? I, I just have three things I want to just go over. Again, like I said, this is super practical. Uh, um, but, but we talk a lot in this church about your next step. And for some of you, it's going to fall in, in, in one of these three categories. The first is remove some relationships. There are some relationships that are too caustic. There are too, you have to just, you have to leave it. Some, some, some men, you're around guys that your wife can't stand. And it's great that, that they're good buddies or whatever, and you guys can, you know, wh whatever, but... That's some of the shrapnel that's happening because you've chosen to have friends that your wife doesn't, uh, doesn't respect. And, and, and so you're, you're, there's tension there. Some of you are hanging around people. You have no business hanging around. You're, you know right now it's beginning to affect you. Maybe you're starting in a dating relationship or whatever, and you know this is not the right thing, but it feels so good now. You're not thinking about what happens when their lives blow up from now and you need to remove that relationship from you now you say well isn't that kind of unchristian i mean shouldn't you just hang around with everybody and and share jesus with them all and yes once you've gotten your foundation of wise people that increases your ability to hang out with other people there's a thing in the christian church called lifestyle evangelism and the idea is that you just hang out with people until they become christians right but some of our lifestyles aren't worthy of the evangelism. And so we need to back off, get grounded and rooted and get a team of people surrounding us so that we can go back in and go, listen, what you guys are doing isn't right. But for now, you need to remove the relationship to get some breathing room. Um, number two, add some relationships. Now, basically, the pushback for this is there's no time. I already have all my relationships. There's no time to add any more relationships. Well, how, who's speaking into your life and how is it going? How is it working out? Because if it's working out great, then fine. Don't add any more relationships. But if not, there's room. And if it's working out so great, why not add some relationships to influence? Why not start a small group if, you're, if, you're, if, if everything's going well? Now you've got eight to ten people you can influence. It says... Um, I just want to read that whole part of the scripture where it talks about Paul talking about the body. There's one, there's one verse that is just so awesome. It's in 1 Corinthians 12, 22. It's not up on the wall behind me, but listen, it says this. It says, basically, we can't say to each other we don't need each other. We, we need each other. I don't care what your education level is, what your socioeconomic level is. We need each other. It says, you can't say, uh, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And then it goes on. It says, on the contrary, listen to this. Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. 
If you feel like you don't have anything to offer and you're just staying out of a small group because you're afraid if they heard about your past, if they heard about this, you are indispensable. You are going to, the Holy Spirit inside of you at some point in a small group is going to give somebody else the key that unlocks a period of health in their life. And the idea that you're not is from the enemy. Satan wants you to be isolated. And so we need to get, we need to add some relationships. Don't be scared to start to be in a small group. They're not scary. And let me tell you, from a pastor's standpoint, small groups is the hardest ministry to run, without a doubt. It is the hardest ministry to run because people, don't, they don't, they don't want to take the risk. And almost every time someone comes out of a small group, six weeks long is how, how, how long ours go, that was awesome. And you see them hugging people out in the thing they didn't know before. It's magic. Well, it's Jesus. All right. Anyway, all right, number three. Get the most out of the relationships you already have now. Listen, this is so exciting. Let's say you have a friend, a Christian brother or sister that you talk on the phone all the time with, and they know you, and it's close and everything. How about we take it to the next level? How about you look at that relationship and say, how, how can we make it even better? How can you encourage me even more to follow Christ? How can I encourage you? What, what, what can we do in our relationship? What rules can we set up that move us forward? A friend of mine and I have a rule because bo- both of us are uh, sarcastic and, um, well, yeah, yeah. So you guys are looking at me like, wow, you're pastor. So we don't make fun of each other at all because it'll, it'll escalate until somebody says something that really hurts the other person's feelings. We can make fun of e- ourselves all day long, and so that's what we do. We get on the phone, and I tell him how stupid I am. He tells him how stupid he is. This is great fun, okay? But th- that's a rule that we set up in that relationship so that nothing would get in the way of us moving forward in Christ. So what, what, what's your next step? If you, if you have somebody in your, rela- in your life, how can you take it to the next level? It's very exciting. The way Hebrews says it is this. It's just a great... Um, uh, verse Hebrews 10 24 and let us consider that that I that Greek word for consider is to examine it's kind of like um when Jesus was it's the same word when Jesus says uh, consider the birds of the air they need a toil you know but they your heavenly father takes care of them that's the idea look at them why now make the connection that your heavenly father loves those birds and he loves you even more how much more valuable are you that's the that's the idea of this word consider so Consider, um, therefore, let us consider how we may spur one or another on to love and good deeds. Like examine the relationship. What's positive in the relationship, whether it's with your spouse or with a buddy or, or, or whatever. Like what can we do to get more uh, of, of this, this idea of com- uh, being more entwined with Christ? How can we get that? Ignored? What rules do we need to set up? 